you know the challenge of finding a job as a military spouse. You love the idea of starting your own business and being able to work from home. But if you're not a baker or a crafter, what can you do to earn money? Today's guest can answer that question. Carmel McCoy is a veteran military spouse, a multi-passionate entrepreneur, the founder of Women Travel Abroad, co-host of the Top 1% podcast, CEO Chronicles, a business mentor, and the owner of a co-working space in Kansas. Caramel is a firm believer that you have more expertise than you think. It might just take thinking a little outside the box. As a serial entrepreneur, Caramel has done everything from working a traditional job to creating lip balm, starting a tax preparation service, creating gift baskets, and she once even tried her hand at running a catering business. She has lots of experience and expertise to offer us. In this episode, we talk about how to figure out what you have to offer, how to pivot, and why it's okay to let go of something good, how to get unstuck, options for monetizing the first three action steps you should take, and why your unique work history, or lack thereof, can actually be an advantage. With decades of experience under her belt, Caramel is excited to help you take action and start something new. You, my friend, were made for more. More than the managing of schedules, keeping up with kiddos, and holding down the home front. Welcome to the Mill Spouse Mastermind Show, the podcast that empowers you to get unstuck and craft a life with more meaning and less overwhelm. I'm your host, Christine, seasoned military spouse, mom of three, and your guide to designing a life you love and growing a purpose-fueled business as a military spouse. I believe you have something valuable to offer. And when you pursue the things that light your heart on fire, you trade frustration for fulfillment and isolation for a life of impact. It's time to discover who you are meant to be because together we can change the world. I'm starting this episode with a little bit of a spoiler alert because one of the things that we talk about in this conversation is how to get unstuck. We all go through seasons where we have questions and places where we feel stuck in our lives and in our businesses. We get to a fork in a road and we're not always sure what we need to do next. What our next step needs to be. How to do the thing. So we stay stuck. We stagnate and we fail to reach that next level. This is one reason why Every successful entrepreneur that I know has a coach or mentor that they work with to help them because this is universal. All of us get stuck in one way or another. The genius advice that you will hear Caramel give in this episode that you and I can both benefit from is taking advantage of free clarity calls to help you get unstuck. You need an answer, schedule a free clarity call or a discovery call with someone that can get you the answer you need. And so I'm going to tell you to do that right now. I have a limited number of free calls available and I want to help you get unstuck when it comes to living 
with more meaning and less overwhelm as a military spouse. So where do you feel stuck right now? Is it a mindset issue or a limiting belief? Maybe you're not sure how to actually find time in your schedule to do the thing. Maybe you're not sure how to take the next step and actually make that dream a reality. If you feel stuck, go to millspousemastermind.com slash unstuck and grab one of those free clarity calls. But don't wait because I don't know how many more calls are still available at the time of this recording, but once they're gone, they're gone. And more than anything, I want to see you break free, get unstuck, and take action towards your biggest goals and dreams. All right, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Caramel McCoy. Caramel McCoy, welcome to the Mill Spouse Mastermind Show. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. This is always near and dear to me because, you know, military spouses, those are, they're my people. Like, you guys are my people. (laughs) Yes, that's awesome because I really want to dive into this conversation and talk about those of us that want to get started as entrepreneurs, military spouses. We're trying to figure out how we make this work, but I would like to start today by just having you share a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so my journey is taking me all kinds of places, and so I, I am. Um, my introduction is—it's always funny to do my introduction. So uh, I am—I uh, have a, a degree in communications. I, um, when I was young, I promised myself. I told my dad I'd never marry a military man, right? Because I was a military child, um, and then a little, little behold to me that this man who sees me in one of my events. I'm struck by his handsomeness, and here I am now, a military spouse. (laughs) Yep, yep. Happened to so many of us. (laughs) And so it's what I know, right? It was what I knew all my life. And so it seemed easy. Um, And then then here I am. I I I had this great career, and I was doing radio and television. Radio was my big deal. And then I started moving. And then radio wasn't so easy to be a part of. And um, I stopped you know, the next assignment, you know, we started having kids and then it's an assignment overseas. And now what am I going to do? And I just started taking odd jobs as a contractor on base, you know, doing the things that military spouses do. We kind of do what fits uh, at the base. We make it work. Right. We make it work. What is it? The word bloom where you planted. Yep. (laughs) I've always hated that. Um, I now embrace it a little bit more, but of all that time, I was always on the lookout for what I could do for myself, what uh, entrepreneurship would look like. Um, I'm the a girl of a thousand businesses. Um, I tell all of the spouses that would come to any of my classes or my trainings on base, because I ended up being a trainer on base, um, doing some of my own classes. And I remember always used to tell them, why do people call you, right? Um, people call you for various reasons to get an answer for something. And I said, you'd recognize that if someone's calling you, for that, and more than one person calls you for the same thing, then typically that means you have a little bit of an authority in that arena. And you probably should explore that and figure out, well, huh, how could I make this and exploit this in a way that can monetize it? Um, You know, I use the example, Kara is an amazing cupcake maker. Everyone who needed cupcakes for the squadron party, for the, you know, kid's birthday, for the baby shower, they always called Kara. And that was me saying to her, you're an expert. She's like, I'm not a professional baker. Uh, 
actually, right? They call you. So you should try to monetize that in a way that it, it, not that you're trying to, you know, you know, become a millionaire, but you should get paid for your time and your authority. Because some of us don't want to make cupcakes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Baking is not my gift, but I know it is some people. So, you know, it's, it's being able to recognize what those skills that you have that not all of us have. Sure. And that's kind of the thing, right? You fill a niche. Every business um, um, model that you hear about or every um, when you go to a, a, a any type of, you know, get together, a gathering surrounding business, um, entrepreneurship and business, they always tell you what kind of problem are you solving? What is your niche? Why? Why? What problem are you solving and how can you make it better so people don't have to, you know, you know, figure it out on by themselves. And so if you're, you know, doing that, figuring out what the problem is, then typically you can make a business out of that, especially if it's, you know, comes from a place of your educational background, your experience. I used to tell a lot of spouses, just because you haven't worked at a form, you know, a formidable job or a job that was paying you didn't mean that you didn't work. You know, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, I can't remember her name right now, but she volunteered at the, um, the thrift shop for the, you know, office of spouses club, like for years and so the idea that you were managing finances and people and that made you, that made your, even though you didn't get paid for it, it still is your expertise. You did work. And I think that we oftentimes kind of belittle what we've done and think that it's not anything when it absolutely is something just because you, just because you didn't get paid doesn't mean it didn't exist. For sure. Because I think so many of us, when we, especially after you've been a military spouse for a few years, you can feel like, hey, I have all of this these random jobs on my resume. I've done lots of volunteer work because there is no end of volunteer opportunities for military spouses. And, or you might be just home with kids and it can feel like, I don't know what it is that I have to offer. So what kind of tips do you give to spouses who are like, okay, where do I go? Where do I start? What, what are my skills? Yeah. Yeah, I think what I would I usually tell um, a couple of spouses is to write down the things that they've done over time, not things. I mean, just anything. And I say everything like, you know, I volunteered as a para at my child's and my kids um, um, classroom or, you know, whatever that looked like. I, you know, put together the event for the squadron picnic or I did, you know, whatever that looked like to to write all of those things down and kind of find some some, some parallel things that encircle the things that kind of resonate and that are like, Oh, I've I've done this a couple of different times. Okay. You know, expand on that. The other part is um, try to recognize that whatever business that you're thinking that you may want to go in for the, on the entrepreneur side, um, give yourself some grace in just figuring it out. You don't have to spend, you don't have to charge anybody, you know, more than it, than, than, than your fair share. But don't feel bad about asking for you to be paid for your time. A lot of times that holds back a spouse. My tip is to always, when you're doing something for someone um, that costs you a little bit money, get your money back at least. Even if you're not going to get paid for your time, at least get your money back. If you're making cupcakes, a hundred of them, that costs money. Let them know. I'll definitely make your cupcakes, but I'm going to need you to give me this much because it's how much it costs for me, right? Um, And then the other part is give yourself some grace that if you thought that you wanted to do a thing and now you don't want to do a thing, don't do a thing. (laughs) I think we get caught up a lot of times in um, thinking that we are not able to kind of pivot. Um, 
And, you know, I would hate for a military spouse to be, you know, get stationed at a base. And now they're like, this was, this worked great at base A, but it doesn't work so great at base B, right? Um, if you were dog walking, you know, in Japan, because that was amazing, um, it might not work so well if you're in Iceland now. Like dog walking is probably not a thing there. So that means there's a pivot. And give yourself permission to, you know, understand, okay, this was a thing. Now it's not. What's the new thing that I need to explore? Yeah, I think especially with every move, there comes this sense of, okay, this is a new experience, new circumstances. You're trying to build a new support system. Mm -hmm. And I know it can sometimes feel frustrating if you're like, hey, all of these things were working for me at our last location and it's not working for me now. So I think that's really good to have that permission to say, it's okay if it's not working now and, and we can pivot, we can try something new. I know many military spouses struggle with, I have this business, it's working and now we're moving and it can really increase that anxiety. Like, am I going to be able to take my business with me? Am I going to be able to do this thing after this PCS? And as we're PCSing and all of these other things are being added on to my plate. So what kind of advice do you have for taking your business from one location to another? Great question. So I will say that the business that I'm in right now, I've had many. I, got, I did a tax business. Um, I That tax business started out of, you know, doing taxes for family and friends. Then I, you know, oh, you do taxes? I worked, you know, at VITA, you know, the volunteer tax preparation on bases. And, oh, you do taxes? That sounds amazing. Um, and then I just got all these clients. And all of a sudden I had like, you know, 30 clients. I was like, what the heck? How did that happen? And then I had 65 What I did in that business, though, is I made it virtual. I made a way for people to send me their documents um, in a way that was safe um, over the internet, but also, or they would send it to me in the mail. And I I didn't apologize for having to move or having to do it that way. Um, Again, I think that we look for, we make apologies for things that we should make apologies for. Uh, I know uh, during that that season of me doing taxes. Um, I kept doing them over time and I had gotten up to like, you know, 65 clients at its height and I, I got tired of it. I ended up finding a really nice position at, you know, another base. And I had this business that was great. And my husband was like, you've built this business from nothing. You need to keep it. And I was like, yeah, you're not doing the work, right? Like, thanks for saying that and acknowledging that, but this is the work for me to do and I don't want to do it anymore. And I think, you know, that's the other part that I had to explain to him as the military member that, hey, while I know you think you're being supportive by trying to push me to a thing, recognize all the other things that are on my plate. Like you go to the next base and you go to the next, you know, next, uh, uh, your next duty station. It's like, everybody's got their hands like, great, nice to see you. I go to the next base and I'm like, who am I? Who are you? Where do I go? What do I do? How does this work? And I had to tell him that, you know, it's a little bit different for me. And so I would say, look for a virtual business. Look for something that is that you can pick up and take with you without having a. I never recommend any spouse to find a brick and mortar unless they're a brick and mortar meaning finding like a place where you're actually going to the business um, before you're done PCSing. I recommend that you find a way to keep it virtual. Um, I I am the owner and founder of Women Travel Abroad, a new business that I'm working on now, um, and. I started that business off of a PCS. We were in Germany for four years. He's going to deploy for a year. What am I going to do in California for a year while you're gone and then have to move another the next year? 
it didn't make sense to look for another job. And so I started WTA and it was virtual from the word say go. Um, all of my people who travel with me in my group are from different parts of the country. Um, they join a virtual call to get vetted and make sure they want to go. And because I made that leap then five years ago, I now have a business that will thrive no matter where I'm in the world. And I think that that matters. And so as a military spouse, we really had to be intentional. It's a global marketplace now and it's a, and, and everything is pretty much on virtual. So try to look at for something like that. And I love that it is such a virtual marketplace now mm -hmm. because I mean, that has shifted so much in the last few years. I know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about brick and mortar, because I did have a brick and mortar business for a couple of years and it was an amazing experience, but also you're tied to one location and you yeah. can't take that with you when you move. And so I learned so much through that experience, but then people are like, oh, would you do it again? Would you do it again? I was like, not until we are done moving because it doesn't make sense to invest in that physical location and to pour into that one thing when you can't take it with you. So I know you've you've talked about finances, we've talked about travel. Um, let's go back to your story and talk just how you went from communications and random jobs on base, how, what was the first entrepreneurial venture you did and kind of how did that evolve for you? Sure. So I've been I've been an entrepreneur since I was in high school. All right. I was the girl who had the candy bag that I would go to the Dollar Tree and buy a bag of blow pops and sell them for a dollar a piece. So one bag of blow pops for a dollar turned into $12 because it had 12 blow pops. So this has been my life, right? Um, and so the first real business I would say would be Dry Be Gone. It was an all natural lip balm. It was all natural and organic before organic was a thing. My best friend says it all the time. You are, you're always on the cusp of what's happening in innovation because fast forward, um, shucks, that business, I was already on target to be in AFES. I was uh, working with the buyer for there. I was in five different stores across the country in different states um, based on sending them to friends and family that I knew in other places to get in. Um, I was um, talking to a guy, um, the buyer for Fred's, which is a like a... Uh, department store in the Midwest, kind of like a family dollar or something. And uh, then what? We have orders to Japan. <laughs> so, so here I got this great business. I am a certified minority woman-owned business. I've got this great thing. People are like, I'm talking to this this um, where uh, this uh, warehouse. I got an FDA approved because you know it's a consumable, so it goes on your or your lips or something, and you have to make sure that it's. I did all of the things. It's barcoded. And now we're moving to Japan. Like, what? And so I had to make a hard decision on whether or not it was something that I needed to continue with. And I I just decided that it wasn't, I needed to, I had to let it go because we were going to Japan. Now, thinking back, I think I could have pushed it a little bit more, but it was kind of like you, to your point about brick and mortar. I couldn't see past not being in America to do the American thing. I probably could have took it to Japan and found a, someone there to even make it, right? But I... I couldn't see that um, at that point, but I don't regret it because I learned so much from it. And I think that for me, going from that business, um, then of course I was telling you about the tax business, which was great. When I got to base number four or five, 
I remember starting a business called Gold Ribbon Baskets. And what I did was um, for anyone who was closing on a house, I would go to these real estate um, agencies and um, uh, different places. And I put my flyer and say, hey, I can make your closing gifts for your, you know, your your home buyers. And I got people to buy it. And I'm like $150 um, baskets that I was putting together. And, you know, it would cost me like 50 bucks to put it together. And I it had my little signature gold ribbon. I made business cards. It was a whole situation. And boom, what do we got? We had orders to Germany. Oh, imagine that. And so finally, with Women Travel Abroad, what I decided was, which is the, the business that has been the most successful. And it was because of all of the learning from the previous businesses, brick and mortar, what that looks like, understanding what virtual means, the virtual marketplace, being able to care for my client no matter where I am in the world. Um, this business has probably been my most successful. I couldn't say probably it is um, on scale. You know, we are now on target this year to be grossing $750,000, almost a million dollars. I've taken 50 trips for over 450 women to various places around the world. And this business is actually what is helping my family become um, a little bit more equipped on the wealth side of things, right? And it's all because I decided, I made a conscious decision when um, he deployed that I'm going to make this go and I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push forward even when it looks like it's daunting and it may not work at the next pace. And I did that. Um, and because of that, and I gave myself permission to say whatever it takes. And I think that a lot of times a spouse will belittle what they're doing or not uh, think that they should not share and, and to give of themselves to their own wants and desires for family, spouse, the thing. And so that's what I did differently. And my family loves me for it even now. My kid, my daughter, she's like, you know, super women. She's all about it. So that's awesome because it's setting such a good example for our kids about what's possible sure. for them. And I love what you said just about these these things that we try, and then it feels like they're not as successful as we'd like them to be. Yeah. And but it's not a failure if we are learning from it, and it's all of those lessons the things that you learned how to do from those different iterations sure. that really have led to the success with what you're doing right now. So I would love for you to talk just about that mindset component and how you say, okay, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to mm -hmm. start over again. I'm going to try this new business um, and what is it that motivates you to try again, to get started, to go through those tough seasons Sure. and keep going? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So I told a girl earlier today, as a matter of fact, that I, I talked to on a regular basis and I said to her, I'm a task oriented person. And I think that a lot of times we get caught up in our head. And so for me, the way that I typically am able to kind of push through those tough times is to, okay, what needs to happen? Order my steps and say, do one task after the other. And when you don't know the answer, find the answer, get the answer, move forward to the next task. Um, it, sh it never should be, you know, this is not a, um, a, a sprint, it's a marathon, right? Um, and we should think of it that way. Like, 
I would love to say that WTA is, you know, almost a million dollars in, you know, two days, but it took five years to get to the space where I'm actually starting to like, oh my goodness, this thing is working. Um, that happens over time. And where I'm wanting it to go is going to happen over time as well. And so you just have to manage the steps incrementally as you're going through this, the issue to get to the solution. Um, I would also say that use your resources. I think a lot of times people don't use resources that are out there free to them. Let me tell you, Christine, <laughs> I am a big, like if someone is an expert on something and they have like a free course or they have a free 30 minute call, I literally will call them and get on their 30 minute discovery call and say, here's my question, go. A lot of times in that free call, you're getting exactly what you needed, the answer and confirmation to move the next ball to move the next space, the next step. And I don't apologize for that because that's what the clarity call is for, right? Um, and I think that we don't use enough of those resources that are out there. And maybe you'll find that that person is your person and you'll want to even invest in more of what they have, but use clarity calls for people who are out there sharing that information. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good tip because that's available. And I think sometimes we get to this place where it's like, oh, they're just going to try to sell me or I don't deserve this or whatever the limiting belief we have in our head, right? So just take advantage of the resources that are available to you. Oh my goodness. I There have been, so my, my best friend, she says it all the time. She's like, you go to a call and next thing you know, you get off the call and tell me all about it. She's like, I learned so much from what you, I said, because those calls are valuable because those people are resident experts. Like if it's a Facebook ad, you don't know what to do. There's plenty of people who know how to do Facebook ads and they'll get on a call with you to tell you about how great they are. I would tell me how great you are, but answer this question, right? Because um, you're stuck somewhere. Stuck is just really stuck is like you're stuck for a moment, but you're not stuck forever. So whatever your stuckness is in order to get out of that, find the solution. And that's by asking the question. Um, it doesn't always mean that you have to spend a bunch of money. Um, that's the other thing. Um, I think that too often you were just talking about being sold to one of the business models when our business model for WTA is that we're not super salesy. Our trips sell out. We don't have an issue with people selling out. And as a matter of fact, I don't want you to even come on a trip until you talk to us first. Don't send me any money because I don't know if you're a good fit and you may not be a good fit for us either. Does that make sense? And so I think that we should go into any of these, um, any, any type of business thought process or any type of thing that you're thinking about going in to do, think of it from this perspective of, okay, I don't know what this is going to turn out to be, but let me turn over the rock and verify and keep turning over the rock until I'm like, yeah, I thought this was it, but it's not it anymore. You know what I mean? Ah, that's so good. Um, so I am curious your opinion. You, you've talked about how you have this idea of being an entrepreneur and it's been a part of who you are since high school. And I feel like there's some of us that are, yes, that's who I am. I have a new idea every day yeah. and I'm going to go after this idea. And then there are those of us who have like, the only thing I have ever known is a traditional career model. Mm -hmm. And when that's taken away from me, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get started doing something else. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to go about rethinking where I'm at and what options are available to me. And so what would you say to the person who's like, okay, I really want something that I can take with me. I want that 
freedom, that flexibility in my schedule. I want to not have to feel like I start over uh, every time we move, but I'm not the quote unquote entrepreneurial type. Yeah. So I'll say this. There is nothing wrong with finding a position, a job, a career is, I call it lifestyle of the career challenged, right? That's what a military spouse lives. We live a lifestyle of the career challenge because career typically doesn't mean the same thing, right? The trajectory of one thing and keep doing the same thing for 30 years. But career also means, you know, skirt, you hit a, a roadblock and you kind of career off the side of the road, off a cliff. Um, so when you think about it from those different perspectives, how can that be such the same word to mean two different things, right? I think that we have, I have had, not just entrepreneurship, but I've also had a what we call a nine to five job. And a, a lot of times it came out of either we were trying to get ourselves um, out of debt. We had a, a situation where we need, we had a lot of debt that we wanted to, to take care of. It also was a time where I was like, this job seems like it would be amazing. I want to figure it out um, and try it out. Um, so I would say don't limit yourself um, to not looking for the nine to five. I think military spouses feel like it has to be one or the other, and it doesn't. It could be a mixture of both. Um, and if you're, but if you're really thinking about what entrepreneurship could do for you and your family, I would start with figuring out what would you do for free. What do you love to do that you do for free, and you're like, this is amazing. I love it. Whatever it is that you love to do for free typically means you have some type of expertise there that'll allow you to kind of exploit that and maybe be able to make that into a career um, that is not a traditional nine to five, but something that could be more from a business model and perspective. I knew there was this one girl, she had a little girl, no, she had three little girls. She used to make these fantastic little bows for their hair and everybody like, oh, your bows are so amazing. Girl, we were stationed in Germany. I did her taxes one year. She was making $19,000 making bows for people on base because they all loved her bows. And literally she was, you know, getting material, cute little stuff. And that was because she loved to do it anyway. So now she's just doing it and people are paying her for it, like to the point where she was even going to do something in AFI. So I just say, start in that place, a place that it doesn't feel like work and then say, okay, well, if I can do this and most people will even tell your friends will pretty much know, like, you know, I've been thinking about going to business. I don't know what to do. Girl, you make the most amazing bows. Why aren't you making bows? You know what I mean? Um, which again goes back to using your resources. Absolutely. So if you have an idea in your head, what would be your advice for like the first one to three steps that you need to take to pursue an idea? Step number one, find out who else is doing it. Imitation is the best form of flattery. I don't believe in recreating the will. Just so, and, and to be clear, there are other people who make bows, okay? You can buy bows out of AFES. Let's be honest, right? You can go to any BX or PX and buy a bow. What makes your bow special, right? Find out what they're doing, what they got going on, and tell everyone how great yours are and what the difference is. And not to mention the fact that it's coming from you and it's a place of love and it's homemade. Step number two would be, so now you, you, you see your idea, you, you tried it out. Step number two, would be to offer it up for free and see what people say. Give it away. You don't have to charge immediately, right? Or charge what it is that it costs for you to, to make it or to um, provide the service, right? Um, and then step number three is do it more than three times to verify that it's something that you want to do. Listen, girl, 
I I thought I wanted to be a caterer at one of our bases. So I took a baby shower and I was like, I did, so I did, a, I did, I did a church event and I did, it was a soiree. It was a Valentine's soiree, right? Steak and the whole situation. Decorated, it's amazing. Then I did a baby shower. Then I did another baby shower. That third baby shower, I was like, this is the pits. I do not want to make another um, uh, strawberry sorbet. I don't want to do any more wings. I don't care that you want cute little finger sandwiches. And I was like, so obviously this is not my thing. I think that at that point I recognized that, okay, so I don't want to cook this. I don't want to do this. So this is not my thing. Um, But if it had been, I think I would have continued to explore. And then it would have been time to start actually talking about what it looks like to actually become a business. I believe from my core, you don't need to spend a bunch of money on a business until it's required. So you don't need websites or business cards. To this day, women travel abroad. We don't have any business cards. I don't. Ha- I didn't buy a website till we were two years in business because I didn't need it. It's not until you need a thing should you buy a thing. So that's what I would tell anyone who's thinking about entrepreneurship. Those are the three steps. Make sense? I think that's really good because I think we have an idea and we're like, we have to go all in. We have to do the thing. And sometimes it's it may not be the right fit. I think, you know, and there are things that you can enjoy doing for fun, but when it becomes something that you have to do, it takes the enjoyment out of that thing. If you love to take photography, for example, you you love to take pictures of people for fun, but if you start charging and you're you're doing these shots for people and you're like, now I've got to edit it, now I've got to package it, now I've got to send it over, and all of a sudden you find that you are not enjoying that thing before you've gone all in and you've created this giant business plan and invested money in your website and all those things. Just, you know, do a few shoots for people and figure out, is this something that I would enjoy doing more of? Or it's perfectly fine for that to stay your hobby, the thing that you do for fun and enjoyment. 100%. I think that that to me is probably the biggest, you know, I've been into places where this beautiful office and a beautiful building and they have no customers. And you're like, you invested all of this money and time and effort and all of the things and you're literally going to go defunct before you even got started. And I think that we think that we has to be some grandiose plan and it doesn't. It really just starts with you seeing if you like it doing it and then saying, yep, want to keep going or no, I'm good. This is not where I want to be. Yeah. Agreed. All such good advice. All right. Let everybody know where can they go to connect with you, tell them about what you have to offer and share all the things. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) So, so uh, a little background, we're now retired from the military. So I no longer have to move every year. Right. Um, How does that feel? It feels amazing um <laughs> it um now he is in his second career where he's stay-at-home dad but not really stay at home he's a fifth grade teacher who does that 25 years active duty and now you're a fifth grade teacher god bless him um and i love him for doing it because he loves it um but that's awesome i have now started um i keep doing my wta job um or my business i should call it and um and it's been perfect um uh, women travel abroad is on the web, women travel We are a boutique travel business. We do not, um, we are not travel agents. We travel in ease, comfort, and style. 
And um, out of living in Germany for four years and Japan, having lived in and lived all over the world, I started a boutique business where I take small groups of women to various places that I've been. And we eat really good food, drink really good wine, and we see the most fabulous places in private tours and, you know, single accommodations. And that has been a niche that has been amazing for me. And it has opened the door to where now I can buy a little bit more real estate that's, you know, part of our wealth building arm. And it also has helped, you know, shape how I'm showing up for my kids and my family um, in a way that's different than what they're used to seeing me when I was active duty. So it's been amazing. Um, but you can go to our website. Um, again, in order to join one of our trips, you absolutely have to come to a call first. It's every Saturday. It's virtual. And you get signed up for it when you go to our, our website and sign up for our mailing our email list and our newsletter. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I also um, I'm a trainer by, at heart. Um, and so I have a course called Find Your People. Um, um, find Your People is a course that shows you how to find your ideal client. That's for people who are actually trying to, you know, they're in business trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I make sure I hone down on my niche? Um, and we do that through meetup.com. That's where all my customers come from. So they've been like a partner with me. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I do. We also have a podcast. It's called CEO Chronicles, where me and my best friend talk and I'm so glad to come on this with you, though, because I think, I think, I think, Christine, it's really needed. Our spouses need to hear this, right? They need to be know a safe space to hear about how a spouse is able to kind of persevere. For sure, for sure. I think you know, first when I was a young spouse, there was nobody speaking that message to me, and I want to put it out there to other military spouses and sure. and to just empower the military spouse community because we are a community of amazing men and women. And I am so thankful for people like you who are willing to come and speak life into military spouses. 100%. Anytime. Friends, I hope you took good notes. This might be one of those episodes you want to go back and listen to again because there is so much wisdom and so many truth bombs in this episode. And as I said at the top of the show, if you are in a place where you feel stuck right now, where you need a little help, a little guidance to help you figure out what that next step is, I have a free clarity call for you. And I would love to see you take advantage of that just by going to millspousemastermind.com slash unstuck. I would also highly recommend you go check out all the resources that Caramel has to offer. I don't know about you, but going on one of those women travel abroad trips sounds absolutely amazing. I'm going to have to add that to my bucket list. In the meantime, I will be back here next week with another episode. Until then, may you live filled, fueled, and full of joy. Hey friend, before you go... The Mill Spouse Mastermind community is here to help you thrive as a military spouse. Figure out what lights your heart on fire and equip you to create a life of impact. You can have an incredible impact simply by heading over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. And if today's episode was meaningful to you, I know it will be for others too. Spread the word by taking a screenshot of this episode and share it to your stories so we can continue to reach more people, change more lives, and shift the way that military spouses look at life. Because we are better together, and together we can change the world. 
Let's do it.